This episode of the Skift podcast features Skift founder and CEO Rafat Ali, recorded on January 4th, 2022, and addressing the storylines of 2021 that will have broader implications into the future. As always, visit skift.com for our continuing coverage of the travel industry. And now, here's Rafat. A look at some of the underappreciated, undercovered storylines, trend lines that have emerged in the last year, really in the last two years, and that will potentially continue to 2022 and beyond in the travel industry, and that have implications for many years to come, have macroeconomic beyond just travel as well. So I figured I'll, I'll just narrate in this, I guess, audio essay, and in the post that will accompany it, uh, we'll also have a list of all the points that I'll talk through today as well. So I'd say the one of the most underappreciated parts, particularly as we're in the um, uh, Omicron wave now, is the countries that have decided not to shut down travel. And uh, it's it's happened across the world, but even as Omicron first came, I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn, got a bunch of responses to it uh, about a month ago when I wrote, is US, Latin America, and Dubai, UAE, Dubai particularly, are three regions of the world that will not close. And that's pretty much borne out over this last month. And these are the regions of the countries that have decided that um, opening, keeping their economies open and letting people move is more important than shutting down and and um, um, lockdowns and, and having a better handle on the cases themselves. Different reasons for it, U.S. has never really been closed in the last two years. Um, there's never really been a lockdown on the, on the types that we've seen in Europe and Asia and China and other countries. Um, even when um, tra- international travel was closed to U.S. and, su- and some parts are, st- are still closed, uh, coming to U.S., um, there are ways to get to U.S. And, and relatively easy ways to get to U.S., um, just a matter of time. And so... Um, so that's U.S. Uh, obviously is very politicized to lock down anything. And so that's why U.S. travel industry in U.S. has been doing okay, even in the depths of the pandemic and, and, and even this, this winter holiday season, which is just ending now, or at least the, um, the holidays part of it, the vacation part of it ending now, uh, the the uh, domestic travel industry has been doing quite well. Obviously, the flights, even though a lot of flights have been cancelled, people were traveling. People have been traveling. Latin America, even though they've had a huge COVID wave over the last two years in different phases, um, has done a really good job with COVID vaccinations, most of the countries have. And um, a lot of them, not just Latin America, I would say South America and uh, Central America, Mexico, I would include in that, that um, has been open throughout, throughout, and vice versa, U.S. has been open to most of those countries as well. And so the traffic back and forth between Latin America and U.S. has been there, which means that a lot of tourism has continued in those countries, Mexico particularly, but in other parts as well. Dubai, Dubai being a very efficient country, um, well, Emirate, not the full UAE, 
but Dubai itself has done a very good job with vaccinations. UAE in general has done a good job, generally very efficient in track and trace, has have put in a bunch of technology, and obviously their Expo 2020, so much has been riding on Expo 2020 for them, which they opened the, uh, last year in October, and will continue over the next few months. Um, for them, they're trying to prove a point. And um, even as Omicron has been there, the country has been, the um, Dubai particularly has been open and will continue to be. So I said those are the three, if you are betting on companies and destinations that exist in these three regions that I just described, you would want to bet on these versus other parts of the world, with Europe and Asia that have been uh, a lot more gun-shy in terms of keeping their economies open. That has obviously hurt travel companies as well. So that'd be my first underappreciated storyline of the year, of the last year, that I think are lessons that have very long-term implications uh, for the travel industry and as well as travel economies. The other storyline that people have covered, we've covered, is that outdoor now is a sort of a permanent premium part of travel. Because the um, pandemic has dragged on now into its third calendar year now, third year now, um, outdoor has emerged as winner over the last two summers, 2020 and 2021, but also winter. And I think long because it's been this long, bunch of travel companies and their strategies and hospitality companies and tour companies, etc., have realigned their strategies and I think people are getting used to spending more time outdoors versus built places indoors. Even the places, hotel projects, etc., are incorporating a lot more. Uh, the, the new ones are, are incorpor- incorporating a lot more um, outdoor spaces. And I think outdoor, which typically has been associated with adventure travel or even, well, primarily with hardcore sort of rec folks that um, have been part of this outdoor industry for a long time. But outdoor tourism um, as a sector has has generally lagged um, behind other parts of the travel industry. And, and I think it's come into its own in so many different ways, um, in the last two years and now as we're stretching into year three of the pandemic will continue to and, and and there's a premium attached to outdoor that means that the travel companies that operate or the destinations that operate or, or have these types of opportunities are um, going to be able to command uh, higher prices in general for these for a while to come so i would say another underappreciated um storyline of which I think a bunch will play out and new investments will continue to happen beyond just the usual um, uh, outdoor rental type startups that have been there that have been heavily funded in the last two years. Another storyline that um, I think we've covered on and off and a bunch of other folks have covered on and off in the last two years is what happens to China and the Chinese traveler, Chinese travelers have emerged, uh, had emerged as one of the biggest global forces in the last 10, 12 years. Um, now that the world has gotten used to it now, two years into the pandemic, 
it's not just the pandemic if the pand- you know as the pandemic sort of become more endemic and and uh chinese travelers um travel outside what what has also happened is it's become very clear and this is larger than just travel that china as a, as a country as a as a as an economy has grown more inwards um all across all across the board not just travel um obviously has been probably the only country now following a zero covid strategy uh which means they've been locked and so as much as it was true that chinese travelers would go where their government would want them to go and they could turn the spigot on and off um you know in their geopolitical battles with whether it's korea or japan or um other places in asia particularly that happened before the pandemic it's even more so true now as china becomes a flashpoint on all sorts of geopolitical issues uh with the world and so the world really really has to figure out the tourism industry the travel industry and the companies that depend on chinese travelers international chinese travelers even when the pandemic officially ends at some point um will not be the force i predict and just there's ample evidence already now um so the companies that are dependent on them will continue will 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 continue to hurt and we'll have to figure out more strategies so i think that's a longer term underappreciated storyline that uh, we as skiff will continue to write about and talk about as well um i've talked about three at this point uh the fourth one i would say tour operators and tour operators um obviously for the last 2 years has been the most affected travel sector of all in travel and um this has been true we knew this from the start that they would have the worst time because um you know group travel of which tour operators most of them and most of the tour operator business this is multi day tours i'm talking about is international crossing boundaries crossing uh borders and so um that type of travel has been the most affected and uh, we did a story uh, i think was it last week or the week before um holiday started that um you know omicron uh, even though it was actually surprising that not more tour operators went out of business in the last in 2020 2021 but omicron could definitely be the death knell for many of them um and international borders um and group travel of which you know multi-day tour operators obviously are heavily into group travel um will continue to suffer as a result so i would say the coverage of tour operators which in general have been a good investment asset from for private equity um prior to the pandemic there was a lot of interest in the sector uh there've been some deals that have happened investments particularly from companies like sataris um and um so the two larger players intrepid and g adventures etc uh actually sataris invested in g adventures intrepid got some other funding um i would imagine some of the funding will happen but i don't see i don't unless there's distressed buyers like sataris um i don't see um a lot of action happening on the investment side and the tour operator space and uh which is unfortunate because there's still a lot of life left if if there is 
it's more independent travel as part of the tour operator versus group travel as part of tour operator. And so I think that will um, uh, be in- an interesting and fundamental change in, in the business for, um, so like instead of fixed dates, it'll be more, um, you know, private, whatever customized tours that will continue to do better. Um, another another storyline that that um, I think is underappreciated and uh, there's been a lot of um, talk about how the booking windows have changed in the last two years, primarily because of uncertainty in, in the booking patterns and whether you'd be able to travel or not because of restrictions, obviously the new wave uh, doesn't help there as well. So I think there's, there's going to be permanent habit changes and I think the booking window will permanently shrink partly as a result of consumer habits, partly as a result of companies that will try to get competitive advantage of being more flexible and um, better at pricing for, for a shorter time as well. And so I think that we're in for a very interesting time where, and it's, and it's also the the changes in the booking windows is colliding with the with what we have written about, which is the financialization of the, of the travel booking where... Uh, financial products from companies like Hopper and others, um, whether it's buy now, pay later, or um, freeze your fare, or um, flexible fare. So uh, new types of financial products that are coming into the market that um, that are, are uh, really meant as a way for people to feel more secure about their booking results or searches or, or their actual bookings themselves or reservations um, will lead to one very interesting new product innovations in uh, travel booking and two potentially permanent changes in how people book travel and what that means is um, a shorter window which which also means forecasting and and uh, for travel companies about their revenues etc will have to change as well um, because obviously typically they had longer windows and, and new so the the high seasons in which travel used to be booked and so for instance now is a good time for summer travel for 2020 to be booked would be um you know there's enough forward bookings to get a sense of the patterns but i think that is changing and will continue to change permanently going ahead the last one that has been covered a lot but um uh, but I do think that that it continue. There's so much happening here that the the you know there's the the more we cover, the more we should cover, which is the labor issues and and just talent issues. I won't just call it labor. I would call it talent issues in the travel industry. We there's obviously labor issues on the lower end, um, the more sort of the frontline worker end of the market. Um, is the true in hospitality and airlines. That's why airlines canceled a lot of flights, um, just didn't have enough staffing. Um, I do think there's th- this break over the last two years has definitely been the biggest uh, impetus for a smaller workforce, and that will continue to be the case. But also on the other end, we did a story uh, right during the holidays on... Um, the, the number of top-level changes, the CEO changes that happen in travel. And I expect a bunch of more either hospitality companies or airline companies or different types of travel companies, CEOs sort of t- 
taking their golden parachutes, um, so to speak, and they're done and don't want to go through this um, this crazy up and down time for the travel industry and their companies and their personal lives, I'm sure, as well. So um, I do see continued upheaval in the labor market. Um, the one thing that is 100% true is that the wages are going up. Uh, this is true across the board, of course, but particularly in the travel industry where um, just requires a lot of manpower, um, it does add up. And so, um, you know, potentially the profit margins of many of these players uh, will shrink as a result of the wages, but also automation will come in that will offset some of that so that they have long-term investments on making sure that, that the labor force itself is reduced. So I would say, how many did I go through? One, two, three, four, five, six underappreciated storylines that we'll continue to cover at Skift. And hopefully um, we'll see them play out over the next uh, few months and years as well. That was Skift founder and CEO Rafa Ali. To learn more about Skift's upcoming events and 2022 calendar, visit live.skift.com.